Salutations, peace and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Kamish, coming up on the midnight hour. This is a special episode. I'm going to combine the NFL with the NBA with some details that have been out there for the last several days that I want to touch on. I want to start by congratulating Tom Brady on 23 years in the NFL. He made the announcement that he's retiring again from the NFL. Now, how much do I believe of this? I got to believe all of it. Because if it's anything that we've seen that he's probably seen on film, he didn't look good at all this past season. A lot was going on for him, right? There was a lot that was going through his mind this past season. A lot that was going on physically this past season. He's under a different regime with Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, and a slew of other coaches that have been fired since then. He's going through marital issues, problems, differences with Giselle Bunchen and their two kids, or three kids. He is in a position where he wants to be free. He wants to go out there and live life. He attends a wedding of former owner Bob Kraft, who got married to a 25-year-old woman or something like that. I don't know. But it seems as though Tom wanted to do Tom. But see, Tom wanted to do Tom when Tom wanted to do Tom. Meaning, it didn't mean enough for him to play this season. It was what came with the decision to play this past season. And so when you think about the things that he did to get to this point where he made it upon himself to go out there and play for the Buccaneers this time around, he took a lot of chances. There were consequences to this that maybe he didn't really put in his front view. Maybe it was all in his rear view. Maybe he was deciding, I'm just going to do me and worry about everything else later. That's how some people think. If you're arrogant, self-absorbed, sometimes things of that nature doesn't really pertain to you because you don't think it's really going to affect you. It's not until this time at the end of the season that you have time to think about the things that you've done. You know, it's almost like a criminal that has now robbed the bank and now you got the money sitting there. You successfully robbed the bank, but you don't know what to do with yourself. You went out there and made a commitment to do something that you felt was wrong, or better yet, you did something that you felt was right, but you knew was wrong and was willing to take the consequences regardless. So for Tom Brady, you took the chances. You ignored everybody's reasoning to not play football. You, you, you took it upon yourself to say, you know what, these people don't know what it is I can do. I am Tom Brady. I've been here before. I've done it before. Nothing's going to change. My mechanics are the same. My offensive line may be the same. A lot of the receivers that I have are coming back are the same. So a lot of what he's seeing could benefit him down the road. One problem. The offensive line becomes decimated by injury. One of the offensive linemen retires. Playoff Lenny is not the same guy. Rob Gronkowski retires. Defensively, the team is just not the same. It it doesn't have Indomitian Sue. It doesn't have a lot of the guys that were there once before. The secondary is not as sharp as they was. And so this team as a whole, collectively, is not the same team from their championship run. But Tom Brady doesn't think about that. He doesn't think about the fact that Giselle's almost out the door. The concept here is that if I do well, 
everything works to my favor. If I have a great season this season, then everything that I'm going through right now won't mean anything because people will just accept the fact that I can go out there, win another championship, and everybody just comes back to me. Everybody will be able to understand what I'm going through. Maybe this is a midlife crisis. Maybe this is a moment in time where he feels as though I have to be the ultimate achiever. It's not enough to win seven rings. It's not, it's not enough to be a three-time NFL MVP. It's not enough to be a five-time Super Bowl MVP. It's not, it's not enough to be a six-time All-Pro. It's not enough to be the passing leader. It's not enough to be the passing touchdown leader. It's not enough to be any of those things because I want more. But what more could you get out of Tom Brady? What more can Tom Brady do for himself? You've set all the records. You've lasted 23 years in the NFL. You've managed to do things that you probably thought yourself you couldn't do. You went to they went to Tampa Bay for three seasons, not really anticipating winning a championship, but you did. So now there's egg on Bill Belichick's face because he probably made the wrong move of letting him go too soon. He still had enough left in the tank to take that team to a championship. The irony here is that you probably spent a year too late in the NFL where everything that you've earned to this point is tainted, is blemished. It's not the same result. Your, pet, your family is not there waiting for you when you go home. Your wife and kids are gone. Your parents are probably looking at you and applauding you for the work that you've done, but it's just not the same feeling. Who knows what your agent has said to you? Who knows what your best friends have said to you? It's just the point that for what Tom Brady was looking to achieve, I don't think he knew outside of just trying to make the team better. But you can't make the team better at 45 years of age. What makes the team better? Younger players. What makes the team better? Young players that can respond to the coaches. See, it's not enough that Tom Brady did not really respond to Todd Bowles the way he should have, the way he probably would with Bruce Arians. But there's a reason why Bruce Arians and Tom Brady couldn't see eye to eye either. So what happened to Bruce Arians? He retires. And everybody else that's part of that team at some point leaves, gets hurt, or retires. So now you've created this conundrum of which you have the team with you and you've got most of the players there from the championship year there with you, but it's not the same team. They don't execute the same. They don't talk to you the same. The feeling in the locker room is not the same. There's a level of respect for Tom because of his age. But we know that Tom Brady despises the play calls. We know Tom Brady despises the coaching staff. We know Tom Brady probably despises the response he gets from his players. But this is not in large part because Tom Brady is a bad man. It's just the fact that Tom Brady is an old man. See, the thing is, when you're around younger people, there are some younger people that may respect the older man in the crowd or in the room. But if that old man keeps barking because of the fact that he feels as though his player is not achieving to their fullest, or there's players out there that are not playing as well as he is, the older players, or dare I say, excuse me, the younger players start to resent the old player. Tom Brady was being resented by the young guys 
that probably couldn't see what Tom Brady was talking about, couldn't understand what Tom Brady was talking about. You can spend all night at some wedding, come back the next day and go out there and practice poorly and then yell at us the next day because the team cannot execute well. That's not their fault. Not everybody went to that party. For all we know, Tom Brady might have been the only person invited from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to attend that party. But without digressing so much on that situation alone, what about the decision you made to retire and then recant that decision within a month to say, you know what, I'm going to give it one more time. Why? Why did you feel the need to play one more season despite having to tell your family it's done? The problem here, outside of Tom Tom Brady being the ultimate competitor, He makes the worst decisions. He is not capable of making great decisions. Now, whether that's something that might have cost him a championship in New England, or maybe it's a situation that maybe they couldn't go further into the playoffs last season. Tom Brady, in my mind, in my eyes, wanted to use what power he had to try to control a losing situation the best way he knew how. Yelling, barking, taunting, crying, kicking, screaming. Anything that it would take to try to get these guys motivated to win. But you're doing it a year too late. By now, we know what Tom Brady is not capable of doing. And because we're capable of seeing these things and knowing these things, what respect do we have left for Tom Brady? It's, ama- it's amazing how we create a whole new regime, a whole new coaching regime for Tom Brady, and it still fails. The team went 8-9 this past season, but it wasn't because of Byron Leftwich, and it wasn't because of a lot of other coaches that were fired. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a one-hit wonder. That just happened the last three years. They won a championship with their first meeting and then the first year with Tom Brady, and it was downhill since. The seasons, the personnel, coaching staff declined. Everything that you could have imagined about Tom Brady just started to decline. His arm, his accuracy started to decline. And in spite of the fact that he was the passing leader last year, the passing champion last year, It's still the fact that you did not achieve the goal you wanted to achieve. You did. Now, you did it the first year with Tampa Bay. You earned seven rings, and that's wonderful. But why did you feel the need to come back this season thinking in your mind that you can have as good, if not a better season, than the season before. Every year it gets worse. Every year, athletically, you start to regress. And that also includes Tom Brady. The problem I have with that is why couldn't more people tell him that? Or better yet, why couldn't he just listen to those people? Because he had a chip on his shoulder. Six-round pick out of Michigan. Lost his starting position to Drew Henson. Just was never the same. I can do this. I know I can do this then nobody's going to tell me that I can't. No one's going to stop me from doing what it is I want to do, including my wife, including my family, including my kids. 
Maybe he did overachieve. But it came at an expense. A pricely, hefty expense. If we're including family. He retires? Great. Let's see to it that he never comes back into the NFL again. So says the commish. New hires in the NFL. I'll touch on this briefly before I go into my NBA stint. I see that Sean Payton, former coach for the New Orleans Saints, is now the coach of the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, again, mortgaged their life, their future, on now Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. And while I don't have anything personal against either person or coach, I do believe that Denver is desperate. This is the last opportunity for Vice President John Elway to do something with this team to be more assertive and to be aggressive and to be progressive in the years to come. They are thinking long term. You sign Sean Payton not just for a season, not just for the opportunity to somehow develop Russell Wilson. This is so that we can start a new order, a new chapter in Denver. We can forget about the time of Peyton Manning and now concentrate on Russell Wilson and what he can do for the team that we've put together, which is not a bad team on paper. What can Sean Payton do with this team is the biggest question to me. But it's, it's not to say that Sean Payton doesn't have the ability to restructure this team. It just makes you wonder that if the players that are in the players that are on this roster, the players that they have right now are culpable for going out there, executing, winning games, being successful, and then being able to outpass Kansas City, to outpass Los Angeles. I don't know offhand if Denver is that stacked physically, athletically, talentedly to outdo, outgun, outperform. Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, for what we see of Kansas City, this is a team that's not going anywhere. They've been to five AFC Championship games. Most of them right there in their own house in Arrowhead. What is Denver about to do about that to make this team any better by by signing Sean Payton? Yeah, it's, a, it's an upgrade from Fangio's, an upgrade from Van Johnson's, an upgrade from Nathaniel Hackett, and I get all of that. I get all of that. But there's still a team that's struggling to identify themselves. Russell Wilson may be a little bit better, but is that because of Sean Payton? Or because you got rid of Nathaniel Hackett when you were supposed to? Let's face it, Nathaniel Hackett may not be the best chance or the best person for a chance to become a head coach anytime soon. So why not put all your cards into what we have here with Sean Payton? So says the commission. Another hire that came about, I want to talk about for a few seconds, is the former defensive coordinator, DeMarco Ryans. DeMarco Ryans is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. Congratulations to him. Shout out to him. He takes over the Houston Texans team that had been a dumpster fire for the last several years. And he becomes the head coach of this team for the next six seasons. Now, how they honor him as head coach for the next six seasons will be exciting 
interesting, fascinating to watch. I want to see what it is they intend to do with this man. I don't have a doubt that he could be successful with this team. The biggest question mark is what are you willing to do to put things around him? Players, coaches around him to be successful. Does he have to go out there and do it himself? Do we have to rely so much on the draft? Truth be told, this may be the best opportunity for DeMarco Ryans because of how many picks they're going to get in the first round alone. Never mind the second round, the picks they get. This would be something that a person like DeMarco Ryans would have to completely mess up, completely fail at, for him not to serve six seasons with the Houston Texans. I'm optimistic because I feel as though he's sharp enough to know what he can do to turn this team around. It probably won't be too much, but they need they need young, new blood. They need a young mind, a young perspective. For what they had in Cully and for what they had in Levy Smith may not be the same as a coach. But we need somebody that can respond to these young guys. Only a young person would or a young coach could be. And that young coach is DeMarco Ryan. Can he get the ear of this team? I think he can. I think his work speaks for himself. Similar to what we see with Coach Law in New York. I think they both have golden opportunities to improve a failing team to becoming contenders. So says the commission. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast, and now I will switch over to the NBA because I want to talk about two people in the NBA right now that should gain the attention of so many people that follow the NBA. One of the people, one of those players is LeBron James. LeBron James is a person I'm talking Another person I'm going to talk about is Jason Tatum. Now, why am I talking about these two people? Of all the people in the NBA, why these two? First of all, shout out to Jason Tatum. That's my boy. He's on my team, the Boston Celtics. Team is number one in the East. 36 and 15, I believe. This team is phenomenal. Almost doesn't make a difference who you throw out there. As long as Jason Tatum is out there, you've got a great chance to win. He's averaging 31 points this season thus far. Roughly nine reboards a game. Four and a half assists. Let's just say five assists a game. <laughs> what can you what more can we get out of Jason Tatum that we're not getting out of him right now? He's doing a lot for this team. He's shooting at 48% on average this is outstanding he was just named to his I believe his third all-star game the starting player for the Eastern Conference or whatever team he's a part of team Steph Curry or team LeBron whatever how would they set it up it's crazy it's corny why not just be East and West who cares if the West dominates the East we don't care about how the game ends we just care about the fact that he is on the Eastern All-Star squad. He is an All-Star for the third time or six-year career. His team played the L.A. Lakers this past weekend. LeBron James played that game. LeBron James is less than 100 points away from breaking the career 
scoring record set by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, former center of the LA Lakers. He has an opportunity to become the highest career scoring leader of all time, which will be a feat that probably won't be broken for a long time. We're talking at least 20 years into the season. We're talking about a number of games into the finals in pre, well, not preseason, but in the beginning of regular season. LeBron James has accomplished practically everything to this point. Everything. Just recently came in fourth place in assists career-wise. There isn't much that LeBron James can't do. LeBron James played against Jason Tatum. The Boston Celtics against the LA Lakers came down to the less it came down to the last 10 seconds of regulation. It was LeBron James had the ball, went to lay it up and got hacked. Or so everybody else is saying. He got hacked. He got mugged. Didn't make the layup. There was a no call. No one called that. No one saw the foul. LeBron felt the foul. And then LeBron did something that only a five-year-old would do. That was cause a scene. Performed this tantrum. Trying to get the attention of the refs. Pleading his case. And he was very animated how he pleaded his case. He was jumping around, looking around, slapping his hands on the ground. Whatever it took to try to get the attention of somebody to come to his aid, he failed at trying to draw the foul that could have won the game for the Lakers, considering they were tied up. It went to overtime. It was extended another five minutes. And the Boston Celtics wins the game. Well, why am I talking about this particular game? Because it was the response afterwards that people were outraged. They were shocked because of the fact that there was no foul call against Jason Tatum. Okay. So you mean to tell me the entire game, Jason Tatum was not fouled? I can tell you a number of times I've seen Jason Tatum respond in such a way where it didn't make any sense that they didn't get the call. It didn't make any sense as to why this call would have been overlooked. But we know that Jason didn't get the calls either. It's just the fact that there was one player that decided to keep playing the game in spite of the fact that he wasn't getting the calls while they had one other person that was animated, beyond himself, frustrated, upset, confused, out there on the floor throwing a tantrum. What I want to talk about real quick is how you don't get all the calls. The NBA has made it their business to make sure that with every foul call that comes in the game, whether we call it or not, it will not be reviewed because then this two-hour game becomes a four-hour game because we're spending so much time trying to find the fouls that have been overlooked. You're trying to find the fouls that they didn't call. You're trying to throw these guys a bone, and it's not necessary because the refs are human. In spite of what we place these refs, we make these refs perfect. We make these refs untouchable. Can't touch them. Can't talk about them. You just have to accept the fact that they're flawed too. But see, it's not enough for LeBron James to feel that way. Somebody else took it upon themselves to say, hey, listen, we need to talk about these refs. Why? 
Why do we need to talk about these refs? What's the importance of setting this up to talk about what the refs can't do, what they missed? Does it really matter what they miss? They miss a lot. Is what we try to justify that is the biggest argument because there's nothing we can say or do that's going to overrule the decisions that were not made. We're halfway through the season. We're talking about the fact these refs missed a lot of calls. Guess what? They're going to continue to miss a lot of calls. Whether it's LeBron James, Jason Tatum, doesn't matter. We have to accept the fact that even in the NBA, that the refs can screw things up too. So says the commission. You've been listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. A lot of games coming up soon for the NBA. I know it's an exciting time, you know, all-star breaks coming up. It's in Utah this year. Not to talk about at that particular time. I don't have all the guys that are selected for the all-star yet. Hopefully by the next episode, I'll be able to touch more on that. I know Jason Tatum's going. I know LeBron James is going. So that should provide some type of excitement. But until then, I want to thank you all again for listening to this show. It means that much to me. I'm going to end it like I normally do by saying this is the Kneel Down Podcast. I have been the commission. With that being said, peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe, get vaccinated, and I'm out.